among our guests are Wayne and Novice Stringer from uh, Center, Texas, by the way, of uh, New Boston. And where they live, that's where Ascending Church is, is in Center, Texas. And uh, good friends of mine and uh, Philippine Mission Development is what they're representing. He was here about four or five years ago. And since we're heavily involved in the Philippines, uh, a lot of these works uh, overlap. We've been to the conference uh, there in Davao, and uh, it, uh, a lot of the people there, including the uh, associate over there, Abner, uh, Brother Abner, and, and I got to meet him, be around him. But anyway, it's just uh, wonderful to have each and every one of you. And what I'm going to do now is... Uh, Brother Wayne has a presentation that he would like to share with the church concerning this. And so if you've not seen this, been the first time, I think you're going to be very impressed about what a lot of our churches are going together and doing. Let him explain that. So, Brother Wayne, you come on and uh, let you make the presentation. All right. It's good to be here this morning. We've been looking forward to coming. Third time's a charm, right? Yeah, I was scheduled to come, and Brother Mike calls and says, i got something else going on. So we said again, and I called this last week, and I said, am I still on? <laughs> he said, yeah. But it's good to be here. Philippine Mission Development is something that uh, God kind of just led us in and worked with us. I've been in the ministry for 40, a little over 40-something years. Uh, pastored uh, the Lord's churches, four of them. The last one I pastored was Westside in New Boston, and we were there for 15 years. And uh, the first uh, 12, 13 years, we worked with national missionaries. And I became burdened about the fact that most of our work, so much of our work, is directed toward uh, the outlying areas uh of the indigenous people, the poverty, and we fail to reach some of those that are educated and have jobs and can carry the work on. So that's where we've directed our work to. Um, I want to share this with you real quickly. Uh, where do I point this thing at? There we go. Okay. In the Philippines, there are uh, several different areas to do mission work, just like in our own country. This is a picture of Metro Manila. Uh, 17 million, 18 million people. Uh, here we go. The Philippines have many areas to do mission work. There's some 710 islands in the Philippine Islands. A bunch of them. Uh, 70 of them are inhabited. Uh, in the Philippines, we have Quite a few ABA churches, but most of them are in the outlying areas. Those in the cities do not have uh, nice buildings to where they can reach out. So there's a lot of mission work to do in the Philippine Islands. And we ha we're working with just a little different than the others. Now, many of you know Brother Glenn Knight. And Glenn is a, a very good friend of mine. And he's probably responsible. God used him to get me involved in doing what I'm doing because I spent many hours in Glenn's home when he was living there in the Philippines. All right, this is Metro Manila. Uh, this is uh, the slum areas. Uh, this is back up in the countries, in the 
uh, country up on the mountainside. This was one of our missions when I was at Westside. Then we have Brother Glenn in his new boat, and it is going to be something else where he's going to go to the remote islands. But uh, we also have, as I showed you a while ago, the cities. Now, these are uh, buildings that uh, so very often this is uh, what churches here in America are building over there in the Philippines. And there's nothing wrong with them. They're useful. People worship in them. But our ministry is concerned with more than a building. Uh, we want nice buildings. We want buildings that we can reach uh, those that uh, need to hear the gospel. But uh, we want to help churches over there with tools so that they can reach the lost. And if you'll notice that, our goal is to help churches reach the lost with the gospel, providing them with tools to grow. A building is nothing more than a tool, right? It's all it is, a tool. This isn't the church. This is where the church meets. It's helping them to recognize that they can do great things for the Lord, learn, helping them learn they can help themselves. All right? Our vision is to help the indigenous churches support their own pastor, learn to stand on their own while depending on God. Uh, we are designed to assist some of these churches. We can't help all of them, but we can help some of them. Not only... Uh, can they reach the poor and destitute, but the educated and the professional? These have been kind of falling through the cracks. And you'll notice what we're doing. And God is blessing it, okay? Uh, we're almost 10 years old. We finished six buildings. These were not buildings just to get people out of the elements. Uh, we've just started our seventh building the 1st of September. And uh, it will be completed somewhere around the first of the year. In the nine plus years that we've been in existence, we've uh, raised $250,000 toward buildings. Now in America, in the United States, that might be a one building. But we've been able to use it, be good stewards, use the people over there to do the work and whatever, and we have completed six and got the funds for the seventh. This is our first, first building. They're out of Davao at Panikin. This is at Angeles City. I want you to notice that building. Isn't that a beautiful building? That's no bamboo hut, folks. That is a nice building. It's sitting there in the heart of Angeles City. Uh, the engineer that helped us with that building uh, is a member. We have several professional people, and they are doing a lot of mission work, and they have money to do it with. We were told when we started this that you cannot uh, build a building for them unless you finish it. Well, we took that building 85%, and it didn't look anything like that. They finished it themselves. Themselves. We just give them something to work with. This is at DePolo. This is the one at Butuan. Isn't that a beautiful building? Huh? We haven't had buildings like that in the Philippine Islands. We were looked at in the major cities, many of them, especially in Manila, as a cult rather than as the Lord's New Testament churches because in Manila we don't have the buildings that we have in some of the other areas. This is the one on the island of Negros. This is Brother Junabai. Uh, this is the last one that we completed. Uh, any of you men uh, in the service 
go through Subic Bay in the Navy? Well, this is just right there at Subic Bay, okay? Uh, this is the foyer. That's uh, the dedication of the building. This is uh, in front of the building. Uh, there's one there I want you to see. You can't hardly see. put that slide on here, but it's going to show you the, the house that was next door, okay? That's the inside of it. This is the one we're working on. Uh, this is uh, the architect rendering of it. Uh, projected cost of this building is $55,000. You say, how can you build a building like that for $55,000? Well, we use labor over there. A building, the price of a building... Most of the time, 50 to 60 percent of it's labor, right? The foreman on the job, last job we had, do you know how much he made a week? $45. Laborers made $20. You say, well, that's terrible. Well, that's, that's the economy. One of the problems we've had with our American national missionaries in the ABA, we've paid the missionaries more than the people that they're working with make. And as a result, we've had a problem making the church itself supporting. But uh, one of the ways is keeping it down. They're not air-conditioned. They're not central-heated. They're uh, made out of concrete, steel, metal roof, no wood in it. This is low-maintenance. And most of them don't have an air-conditioner at home. They don't need a heater in the wintertime because they're in the tropics. All right, this is the church uh, that we're helping. This is the oldest uh, ABA church in the city of Deval. Do you know that? This church actually started at the old Deval Baptist Seminary. It met in the church building, in, in the seminary, kind of like there where Glenn's at. Well, Teddy Bedillis, some of you might remember Teddy Bedillis. You may not. Brother Buddy probably remembers Teddy Bedillis. But anyway, he went uh, Calvinistic, hyper. And uh, the church said, we don't believe that. And they fired him as their pastor. He said, you're meeting in the seminary building. If I'm not your pastor, you're not going to meet here anymore. So they moved out. For the last 20 years or more, they've been meeting in homes, in rental places, and whatever. They did not think they could afford to buy a piece of property. And one of the requirements is that they own their property free and clear, be in the church's name. They attended a Faith Promise Mission Conference at Angeles City at uh, our church there. They took the principle, I know faith promises for missionaries, but they took the principle, applied it, and they purchased the land in two years. This is their groundbreaking. This is Brother Abner. He's a director of promotions for PMD in the Philippines. He's presenting them a, a check for uh, 80,000 pesos. It's about $1,700. This is their working on it. They even get the ladies out there. 
they build them a little different than we do here. Here we haul in sand and whatever and build a pad and go up from there. There you build, you dig down, you pour your footings, then you go up with your uh, beams and whatever. This is the lot, a very good lot. It's a corner lot. They're in a, in a almost uh, very close to a main highway. The exciting part of PMD, and I'm going to run through this real quickly, is not the beautiful buildings, although the buildings are beautiful and we're proud of them and know that they're an asset to God. But the exciting thing about PMD is to see what the churches are doing. Uh, this is the first building. That's the congregation. This is their mission. This is their mission. Their mission building. This is a service they had for the dedication of that mission building. Uh, Independent Calvary, they're in Angeles City. Angeles City is uh, where the old Clark Air Base is, or was, if you were in the service and went to Vietnam and flew through. Uh, this uh, building, they, or this church has six missions six, and missionaries uh, throughout the islands there. They support a, uh, a Bible school. And they've organized several. Don't you notice down here at the bottom, since the construction of the building, they've used that building for associational meetings and for churches of like faith. This is some of their missions. These buildings were built by that church and the mission without the aid of churches in America. We didn't build those buildings. The church there helped with that. This is the inside of that building. <clears throat> they finished that building. This is Brother Abner. You'll notice he got on a necktie. I, I give him a hard time every time I go over there and he sticks that necktie on. I like to dress without a tie. You know? This lady here next to him, up at the top, that's his mother-in-law. Eighty-something years old, devout Catholic. He led her to the Lord and finally taught her and she understood that she needed scriptural baptism. This is her vacation Bible school kickoff. They are co-sponsors, as I said, of PMD. And these are figures that the churches, and this is a list of Philippine churches that have helped with the last three projects. This is something unheard of before. They were always there with their hand out and expecting the churches over here to pay for everything. Now they're learning that they can do things themselves. They even started their own mission development. They call it Filipino. That's uh, what you call the individual, F, not P. And they help each other. No one supports this but churches there in the Philippines. Uh, they do a faith mission conference. They have their own medical. You know, you hear a MacMed. Some of you may have been on a MacMed trip. They're doing it themselves. This is at Depola. Uh, they're, they had 174 professions of faith last year, them and their missions. They also have six missionaries. Missions. This is at Butuan. They average 137 on Sunday morning. They sponsor five missionaries themselves. Recently just baptized 17. They distribute relief goods. Uh, they're just uh, working. This is the inside of that building. They're pastor down here at the corner. This is their deacons and their missionaries. 
This is one of their missions. They did a, a medical mission out there in the country. This is a, a member of their church going to nursing school. This is a church at, on the island of Negros. That's the foreman that worked on the job for us. He was led to the Lord during that. The pastor on each of the jobs, every Monday morning, they have Bible study. And we don't require it. We suggested it. But they did it, and this young man was led to the Lord. He made $45 a week working as a professional person. This is the inside of that building. Isn't that nice? See the Holy Spirit? That's Brother June Abai. You know June. That's June's church, the building where he passed. He, he's got the Trinity there. He wants them to know that he believes in the Trinity. You notice the fish, the cross, and the dove. PMD's making a difference in the way people in the Philippines think about the way things are. Did I do that right? Anyway, we're making a difference over there. How does it work? <clears throat> It's similar to your mission project here in Mission Development in the sense that churches contribute and then churches get to help choose the project. But we have requirements that they must fulfill in order to be subject to being a part. And one of them is they have to be incorporated, they have to be registered with government. We help churches. We don't help pastors. We take it to 85%, then they're required to finish it. We're working, uh, you'll notice there, all, all over the islands. We're not just working in one place here or there. In the Philippines, we have three major seminaries. <coughs> one down here in the Valley that Brother Glenn Knight uh, kind of works with. You got the one on uh, at Subic, not Subic, uh, Cebu, that Brother Cully was uh, instrumental in. Then you got one up on Luzon that Brother Bobby Bear. So you got the Bearites, the Cullyites, and the Knightites. We're trying to get all the ites working together. Okay? Ways to help? Prayer. Novice and I are on the road constantly. I got an 013 Hyundai sitting out there with 36,000 miles on it, and I still owe better than $20,000 on it. Uh, designated offerings to the project. Every penny that is designated to the project goes to the project. We're... Uh, Missionary helpers uh, recommended by the Messengers Associate, uh, the ABA, on designated funds. Okay? All offerings should be sent to our office in New Boston and uh, will be credited. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Questions? Did I do that in 15 minutes? Did I? All right. Mike said I had 15 minutes. After that, he was going to cut my mic off. We have a booth back here. We have some things there we want you to pick up. Uh, there's some things there we'd rather you not pick up because they're, you know. But the cookbooks, they're free. Uh, and there's a picture on the back of it. If you'd like for it to be autographed, ladies, I'd be glad to do it. Uh, <laughs> there's some pens if the children hadn't already got all of them. But uh, And there's some other little trinkets. These are simply for you to remember us by. Pray for us. Uh, and if you have some extra mission money, you can kick it our way. All right? Thank you, Mike. <laughs>
Creek, all of them gathered and tuned up this morning. While they all getting together, y'all uh, y'all notice that uh, they did say Haley Creek. That usually means me. <laughs> I get outvoted. So here's a song. Uh, I actually heard this song on RFD TV, and uh, <clears throat> I thought it was a real pretty song. And uh, one Sunday afternoon, we were singing out this old blue book, and I found it in there and uh, asked Barb to play it for me and uh, why she, when she seen it she said you know that's my favorite song and because it's my favorite song it was my dad's favorite song so y'all uh, <clears throat> y'all pray for me that I do this uh, song justice now that it means more to me than it did Thank you. 
Philippines or you're in Hamburg, Arkansas. You need the Lord to go with you every day. Jesus, hold my hand. Nobody wants to sing with me. There you go. As I travel through this pilgrim land, there is a friend who walks with me. Leads me safely through the sinking sand is the Christ of Calvary. This will be my prayer, dear Lord. He stayed to help me do the best I can. As I onward go and daily meet that folk, as the Jesus hold my hand. Jesus hold my hand. I Protect me by thy saving power here. My feeble pain, oh Lord, look down on me. When I kneel in prayer, I hope to meet you there. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. 
walk in the light, I know that I may see the golden way. Keep me that I may be holy, find a dream redemption song someday. I will be a soldier brave and true and ever firmly take a stand. Till onward go and daily meet that foe, blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Jesus, hold my hand. I need the early hours. Through this pilgrim land, protect me by thy saving power here. My feeble feet, oh Lord, look down on me. When I kneel in prayer, I hope to meet you there. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Kneel in prayer, I hope to meet you there. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Yeah, they can do pretty good, can't they? Yeah, they can. Go ahead and open your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 7 as we continue to look at pursuing a life of excellence, how does Jesus expect you to live now that you're saved, now that you are a a member of this church? Many of you have been members of this church for a long time, and sometimes it's easy to go through the motions. It's easy to maybe sit back and not be as involved as you should be. A lot of these things, thank the Lord that our church is mission-minded. Matter of fact, in a little while, of course, you'll have the opportunity to speak to Brother Wayne in the back, ask him any questions. And uh, so I appreciate him and his ministry uh, so very much. And we have a lot of people, of course, we've been, just been heavily involved in the Philippines for a very long time. And so it's it's a lot of times that we have the opportunity to to be able to do to do more. Uh, let's go ahead and begin looking at the subject matter we have before us of a gate, a road, and a warning. Two gates and two roads and a warning. And uh, looking at these gates that we'll have a choice of. And, and any time in the Bible that you see the number two, you have a decision to make. And so we have these two gates and We're just going to be looking at one in particular of the way that we should be headed. Let's all stand for the reading of God's holy word in Matthew chapter 7. We'll begin reading in verse 13. Enter you in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction in many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life eternal, and few there be that find it. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. Pray that you would uh, watch over us as we study your word and we look at it. May we choose the right path if we haven't already. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Matter of fact, uh, Brother Kenneth, if you wouldn't mind, go back to that one slide with the picture. 
And uh, just a, a neat illustration, uh, some artist uh, rendering of this. And very interesting, a lot of people look at this, if you have a King James Bible and you've never looked up the word, it says, enter you at the straight gate, and uh, straight is the gate and narrow is the way, it talks about. But this very interesting, it says we got a broad paved highway headed, if you look at this artist rendering, toward the gates of hell. And it's a fast lane. It's easy. It's paved. But look at that other one. Of course, that uh, narrow gate in a crooked way, if you will. The word straight literally means, it doesn't mean straight. The word straight in this old English means narrow and with obstacles. There are obstacles in the way to finding life eternal. All right, and we're going to head on. Let's start with the gate in verse 13. The word, and, and we started off already talking about the word, uh, what the word gate here, enter in at the straight gate. And looking at that word straight, it simply means it comes from a Greek word. You can just say stenos. And it means uh, strict and exacting. There's, there's requirements here. There's requirements to finding life eternal. You say, well, I thought it was just faith in Jesus Christ. Well, those are the requirements. And you cannot add to or take away from those requirements. And the Bible says the message of Jesus can be offending. Uh, sometimes it's offending just to say he's the only way. <laughs> and that offends some people to think that he's the only way. And if you would, somebody may say, well, this sh gate is shaped like a cross. Well, that's right out of God's holy word. We'll take a look at this uh, very restrictive gate. Now, we do know that Jesus is the door. He's the way into life eternal. Uh, very famous words, and I want to look at two passages quickly in John 14 in verse 6, Jesus said, this is the, on the night of the Lord's Supper and his betrayal a little bit later. But he said to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Later on when Peter was speaking in Acts chapter 4, he said some other very strong words concerning Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must. Be saved. Folks, it, it is a narrow gate. It's a narrow, and the word again, the word narrow means restrictive. It means that there's going to be pressure against you to choose this gate. There's a saying that a lot of people say, well, everybody's doing it. Therefore, it's a rationale to do what everybody's doing. That's a, that's a rationalization. But folks, according to the Bible, there's more people headed toward hell than there are headed toward heaven. That sounds very offending, just that message. Now either, I mean, folks, the Bible itself, when you read it, can be offending. It can say, well, that just doesn't make sense. But the Bible says, why do people choose the broad way? The broad way is easy. The broad way is wide open. 
the broad way is easy to see. And, and so there's just not a lot of people headed because nobody says, I really want to choose Jesus because I, and, and a lot of people, we, we get uh, confused. We think once we get saved, everything's going to be easier. And actually it could get harder more because we're going, it's kind of like swimming upstream on a river. You're going against the grain. So living for Jesus and accepting Jesus as your personal Savior can be. Because not, not everybody does it. Or they think there's another way. There's got to be another easier way into heaven. But according to this illustration that Jesus himself uses, that's not true. The, the wide gate and the broad way is easier. It's more comfortable. It's our default destination, and uh, I don't have the scripture in your outline or the slides, but the Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse 18, He that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. So, it's our default destination. Now, providing, number one, you're old enough to understand the message. Okay, and, and number two, that uh, that whenever you hear the message, I was uh, had a great revival. I appreciate Brother Martin, Martin Hopper uh, filling, filling in for me on Wednesday night. Not very often I get called for youth revivals. I'm closer to 50 than I am to 40. And so I take that as a compliment to, to get a chance to speak to young people. They average 70 to 80 kids each night. Athens Missionary Baptist Church over if you very few people I tell them I'm over there near umpire Arkansas if you've ever heard of that little old town they graduated 22 last year in their high school class 22 so out in the country everybody's hogging chicken farmers and just having a great old time they say where are you from preacher I say I'm from Hamburg they say where's that <laughs> I come over here and tell people I went and preached at umpire, and everybody here says, where's that? <laughs> so we don't know about these towns on opposite sides of the state. And it was great to see them, to talk to them, to see lives start to make decisions, people rededicating their lives, people making decisions. Brother Scott was telling me his testimony. He said that when he came to realize that he was lost, he said, I stayed lost for about a minute. It didn't take me long. He was sitting in church service, never heard the gospel or it never dawned on him, realized that he was headed toward hell and accepted Jesus Christ in the same service. Now, folks, that's responding. Now, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that means, what that means is, now, I don't want somebody to leave out of here and say, well, I know I want to go to heaven, but how do I do it? How do you get there? Realize you're a sinner for all of sin and come short of the glory of God and that you need a Savior and the only one available is Jesus Christ. He's the only one available. You pray to Him. Ask Him. To, you don't have, there's not a set prayer. There's not set words. There's not a set anything. You call on Him. Ask Him to save you. By faith, He will. He'll do that very thing. Let's talk about the narrow road real quick. Narrow is the way. This is very, very interesting to look at that verse because it says straight is the gate and narrow is the way. So, all right. So I get saved through the gate. Who's the gate? Jesus. Jesus is the gate. He's the door. Nobody comes in the Father except through him. 
And the Bible says once you start on that road, number one, you can't get kicked off. You're automatically, when you were born, were headed toward the broad way, the easy way, the default way, which is toward hell. I would need to take an exit. Yes, and the exit's name is Calvary. <laughs> the exit's name is the cross. And who died on the cross? And his name's Jesus. And once you go through the right gate, they'll take the right exit off the freeway. Then the Bible says narrow is the way. The word narrow, just looking at it, it just means there's, it's going to be tough. Did you know this, that Jesus did not, uh, there's going to be hardship, there's going to be pressure, there's going to be affliction. Jesus didn't try to trick us. There's nowhere in the Bible that Jesus tried, hey, follow me, accept me as Savior, and you will have the time of your life. That would have been a lie. Now, sure, we have joy unspeakable and full of glory, but that's on the inside. And, but our lives, as we follow the Lord, the Bible says it's narrow. And the word narrow here just means there's going to be pressure coming in from the outside. That's the world. And there's going to, folks, Jesus never lied and said, oh, just follow me and life, Christian life will be a better roses. He did not lie to his followers. He said, it's going to, you go through the straight gate and then you narrow is the way. Narrow is not an easy path to follow. It's not going to be a bed of roses. Think about the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and he said, good man, good master. What must I do to be saved? He said, well, he, Jesus saw his problem, said, well, sell everything you have. Come follow me. I, and I've kept all these commandments, but he, Jesus named all the physical ones, not the spiritual ones. He said, all right, go sell what you have because I think that's holding you back. He said, I can't do that. Basically, in short, Jesus wants us to count the cost. Matter of fact, in his preaching in this same book, just a few pages over in Matthew 13, in verse 44, I want to be saved. I want to come to know Jesus as my Savior. This should be our reaction. Matthew 13:44 says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field, the, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. He counted the cost. He said, I'm going to do everything I can. To obtain this treasure, keep reading in verse 45, it says again, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he found the one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. He said, this is worth having. I'm, basically, whenever you, and don't, you know, you could just get into parables and yank them all apart, but just what, what is Jesus saying? I found a pearl of great price and it's worthy to obtain. I found a treasure, and it's worthy to obtain. I found a treasure, and his name is Jesus. And it's worth, you know, think about it, that rich young ruler, he said, I can't, if i got to choose between you and this, i got to choose this. And see, that's what Jesus is illustrating in these parables. you got a choice in this old world. What am I going to cling to? What is the most important thing in my life? And to count the cost, go, if you will, John summed it up this way. In John 6, 66, interesting that three sixes line up here together. 
but it's not it's just a bible marking in john 6 and verse 66 again counting the cost jesus had been preaching a lot of hard sayings a lot of hard things as a matter of fact, some of them were being offended by his hard preaching in this a very long chapter in John 6. And from that time, the Bible says in John 6, 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back, walked with him no more. In other words, why? You're offended by what I'm preaching. Jesus was preaching hard, and he was preaching that it's going to cost you to follow me. It's going to be tough follow, to follow me. You've got to do some things and follow me. And what that means is lay aside sin and lay aside the cares of this world and put me first. Put me first. And then he says in verse 67, Jesus said unto the twelve, You going to leave me too? You're going to walk away? Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure. Can y'all say that this morning? Can you say verse 69? I believe and I'm sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Lastly, in our text is a warning. Okay, we got a warning. Okay, so we got a way, and it's strict. Verse 15 of our text, which is Matthew 7. Beware of false prophets which come in unto you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast in the fire. In other words, they'll be judged one day. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. This simple warning is about false prophets. All of this from verse 15 through 20 is about the false prophets. Well, who are these false prophets? Well, nowadays, you know, back in Jesus' day, false prophets were generally men. But nowadays, it's not only men, it's women. <laughs> I mean, we get women preachers and this and that. And uh, But again, how are we going to know? Point, what are these guys and nowadays gals doing? Number one, the way you could know this is by pointing people away from Jesus. If they point any, in any direction away from Jesus. Next, real quick, is if they add to or take away from his message. So that's, that's, that's it. So, and again, it's by their fruits. You know, when people are, how do, how do we tell the difference? We, we have to stay in the Word of God. And let's think about what it says. Their fruit. You know, it will not take long for people to, to show their fruit. And an old saying goes like this. You can fool some of the people some of the time, but you cannot fool all the people all of the time. According to Jesus, we should be fruit inspectors. 
You say, well, and here while back the other day, I preached on doubt, you know, Matthew 7, 1, thou shalt not judge. We found out that that's just presupposing an idea based on very little information or coming up with an idea just because we haven't talked to somebody. Well, let's head to 1 John. Everybody head to 1 John. And I didn't put these verses in there, Kenneth, so you're just going to have to pop them up. But uh, in 1 John, this is very interesting. Now, we're closing up. Now, I know we've had a lot going on this morning. It's 12.06, but listen, y'all are doing great. Y'all hang in there. Doing awesome. All right? Buckle your pew belt and hang on. We're going to fly through 1 John here. All right? All of this time. Now, John, the beloved who wrote this, and uh, looking at it, all of this, amazingly, all of this chapter right here, the whole thing is about being a good fruit inspector. So I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm a born-again believer. I'm a, I'm a member of a local New Testament church. I'm trying to serve the Lord with the best of my ability. And he says in 1 John 4, 1, but, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now, if it goes on to say, it says, uh, verse 5, They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. So that's mi- mixing a message with worldliness. Go on to verse 6, 1 John 4, 6. We are of God, he that knoweth God Heareth us, and he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth, and what? The spirit of error. Okay? Now, it goes on to say, here's the true test. The true test to see, number one, if, you know, you can, your Bible says, you know, you can't, uh, or we say, you cannot know if somebody's saved. That's true. You can't look inside their heart. But the Bible says you look at their fruit. And the fruit says yes, or the fruit says no. Okay? And then it goes on, beloved, let us love, I'm in verse 7, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. So a common denominator, a common denominator of people that are saved is that they love people. And they love people, especially people that, uh, uh, that are different than us, that are not like us. And then it says, it goes on to say, so, and then it repeats it in verse 16. It says, God is love. All right? And then it goes on that we may say in verse 17, 1 John 4, 17, Herein is our love made perfect, or mature, or grown up, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Verse 18, there's no fear in love. But perfect love or mature love casteth out fear. In other words, that's another sign that you're saved. That I, I want to tell others about Jesus. I want to share the story. Verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. Again, here's the kicker between fruit, somebody who's all talk and no walk. Verse 20, if a man say, I love the Lord... And hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Verse 21. And this is a commandment have we, that he who loveth God 
Love his brother also. Again, what, what is all this saying? The whole thing is boiling down. To, number one, if we're saved, what do we have inside of us? The love of God. <laughs> if we are saved, we have the love of God in us. As we prepare for a hymn of invitation and get ready for a song. Here's what it all comes down to. There's two gates and there's two roads. And there's also two destinations. There's a heaven and there's a hell. This would be a good time, and I'm thinking about it, and I say, well, I know I love other people. But according to the Bible, it says this. Jesus said, if you only love people who love you back, what reward have you? It's to love our enemies, to love people who are not like us, to love people who um, are out there in the world is a sign that Jesus lives in you according to the Bible, not according to Michael Reese. It says, what Jesus say? By this shall the world know that you are my disciples, that you have love one toward another. It's a common denominator from Matthew to the end of the book. It's pretty cool. Summary.